This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. We get reaction now about a new report from the research group Reform, suggesting that 1.3 million sick and disabled people should have their benefits cut to encourage them to find work. The organisation says the Employment and Support Allowance, or ESA, was supposed to encourage people to look for jobs. RNIB has been quick to comment on the report, and Jeff Fimister from RNIB Campaigns joins me now. Jeff, thanks for joining me here. OK, nice to talk to you. Now, Jeff, before we get your reaction to this, let's hear from the co-author of the report, Charlotte Pickles, to talk about why they believe that extra cash actually encourages people to stay on sickness benefits instead of moving into employment. So at the moment, uh, ESA has two parts to it, and each of those parts is paid at a slightly different rate. So um, if you're in the group whereby you're deemed able to do some type of activity but not quite go into work yet, you get around £102 a week. If you are in the group which deems you unable to do any type of activity related to work, you get about £109 a week. If you're a job seeker, so you're unemployed but you don't have a health condition, then you get around £73. Now, that's a big differential in the amount of money you receive and there are various problems with that. So firstly, um, and this won't apply to everyone and particularly those who have severe conditions, but international evidence does suggest that there are behavioural impacts of having higher rates of benefits for for people with health conditions. So it, it, it leads to them staying on the benefit for longer. So that's one problem. The second problem is that at the moment, we judge whether someone is eligible for uh, the benefit by looking at their capability for work. So, you know, are they able to do some work or not? But because it relates to getting a higher rate of benefit, the system inadvertently is encouraging people to present themselves as sick as possible because obviously they, they want to get the benefit, they are out of work and they need some type of financial support. What that means is that in doing a health assessment to determine whether someone is disabled or, or is sick, um, it, it, it doesn't determine what they could do, perhaps with some support, or maybe they could work part time. So it's not really working in the interests of those people who claim the benefit. And we believe that if you move to a single rate, you reform that access point, you reform the health assessment, then actually you'll be able to get much better outcomes, both for disabled people and, of course, for society, because we want to see the employment gap between disabled people and, and non-disabled people close. So Charlotte there, Jeff, basically suggesting that extra cash will encourage people to stay on sickness benefits instead of moving into employment and uh, come out with a couple of justifications for that viewpoint. What's your reaction? Well, yes, uh, historically and for many, many decades, it's been the case that uh, people who have disabilities or sick, not able to work, get um, a higher rate of benefit than people who are expected to uh, sign on and look for a job. Um, Now, that differential has existed for a long time, but it's got bigger and bigger because over the years, the benefits for unemployed people have been held down. Um, so that gap has got to be much bigger than it than, than is, is useful, like the gap between the job seekers allowance rate and the work-related activity group rate is currently 29 quid a week, which is quite a lot. Now, some of us have argued for a long time that the government should be rounding up, they should be increasing the standard of living of unemployed people so that it's not so much lower than people who are sick and disabled. Of course, coming from the political right, the argument tends to come the other way, that uh, that the benefit for sick and disabled people should be rounded down. Uh, so that's what, um, that's essentially a very, a, a clash of perspectives, if you like. But 
I mean, I would argue that the Job Seekers Allowance rate, and, and remember the government is proposing to reduce the work-related activity groups to the same level. Uh, it's already proposing that. The Job Seekers Allowance rate of £73.10 a week is, is miserable, really, and very hard to... Um, to get by on and it's not going to help you to look for work if you're too busy worrying about uh, getting into debt and paying the bills being able to pay your rent and so forth uh, you know, Jeff, there are so many areas in this, of course, because there's the issue around getting employment, as, as we've said before, and this is a bit, a bit of a thing that seems to get missed, I think, in all of this discussion, is the actuality of it, the, the reality of getting a job if you are disabled, which, as we know from our own research at RNIB, is much less likely than someone who is fully able-bodied. Well, yes, that's uh, that's absolutely right. The discussion tends to be as, as, as if it was a question of being in work or, or, or going on to benefit, whereas what uh, this is often really about is people being put onto lower rates of benefit and then being stuck there because they can't get a job. Um, so, yes, uh, those um, disabled people who are able to work and want to work, that's absolutely great. And it's RNIB is very committed to uh, lobbying for high-quality employment services. But it's high-quality employment services that you want, along with changing employers' attitudes, which is the answer to helping people to get into work. It's not cutting their benefits. Now, there are a number of people who might argue that this additional money is needed to pay for essential equipment to get someone into or ready for work. Well, Charlotte Pickles from Reform uh, disagrees with that suggestion. Let's hear what she had to say. We currently have um, this ESA, this out-of-work benefit for people who have health conditions or disabilities. We also have an entirely separate benefit called personal independence payment, which is designed to help contribute to those very extra costs that you just mentioned. So this is a benefit that if someone has a disability, and perhaps it is meaning they have to have additional support or they have to have that specialist equipment, um, then it's designed to help them pay for that. That's not part of what ESA is. So the suggestion there, Jeff, is um, don't worry uh, about ESA. Cut that down because PIP, personal independence payment, will will cover your costs. Yes, I think the the issue is that um, that the uh, additional element in employment support allowance, the work related activity group element, um, compared to um, uh, compared to job seekers allowance, that is supposed to reflect the fact that somebody who is disabled or unable to work, they're likely to be on benefit for a lot longer than somebody who is uh, fit and able to look for work and that indeed is the case people uh, with disabilities tend to be in the work related activity group tend to uh, need much longer to reach the point where they're able to move into work so it's the additional cost you know things wear out you, you, have, you have to replace household equipment clothes etc uh, so that's why you get higher rates of, uh, of, of benefits and um, the personal independence payment is something different personal independence payment is about the additional costs of disability that for blind and partially sighted people um, that's going to be things like having to pay somebody to do cleaning and gardening and going to the shops and paying for transport etc so they do perform different functions they do sometimes get confused and there is also for people who are moving into employment there's the access to work scheme which can help with uh, with equipment and so forth so um the roles of those things are different and there's really no reason for them to be confused and I, I see no way that any of that justifies pushing people down on so extremely low rates of benefit. Do you fear, Jeff, that we're back to the Saints and Scroungers debate again? 
Well, that's always around. It's uh, as we we've said on your program before. It's um, it's it's been around for centuries, um, going right back to the sturdy beggars of uh, Elizabethan times, uh, and it does get politically manipulated to try and soften up public opinion uh, for, for for benefit cuts, and that's something we have to. Uh, argue against, of course, the great majority of people who are able to work, want to work, they don't like being on low rates of benefit. Um, and this sort of mythology is obviously very unhealthy, un- unhelpful. Um, but there is a wider context to that, which is that the government is going to be producing white paper very soon uh, on the future of employment and employment services. And that will tie into the benefit system and the way the benefit system works. So I'm rather afraid that the sort of proposals that's being put forward by the reform um, uh, pamphlet, the, re- the report we're talking about, those proposals reflect the sort of thing that the government might be going to put forward. I'm ra- rather afraid that might be the case. Uh, reform is very, it's very close to um, uh, to the current government, uh, and indeed the principal author of this report used to work for Ian Duncan Smith. So um, I do think we may find that this is not going to be a question of arguing with one particular think tank. It's going to be a much bigger public debate, and we need to uh, have our arguments ready. Well, we watch with interest, as always. Jeff Fimister from RNIB Campaigns, good to speak to you on Insight. Thanks very much. And there's more about that campaign on RNIB's website, rnib.org.uk. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.